You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. This is your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. On today's show, we'll talk about some uh, news around the league. We'll talk about the Carlos Carrasco situation. We'll talk a little bit about uh, Yasiel Puig. And, uh, yeah, we'll just kind of see from there. I want to remind everyone to, uh, to download and play and uh, do your part to help keeping, keep this podcast rising in the ranks uh, so that uh, we can get a share of that uh, <coughs> advertising revenue. Um, all that helps in terms of just keeping the podcast on the air and keeping it going. Uh, I will just be honest. I am not getting rich or anything by that. Uh, my quarterly report uh, payment is under a hundred bucks, so this is more of a a thing of uh, a joy and connecting to the listeners out there and having a place to talk than anything else. But um, the more our numbers are, the more reviews, all of that stuff helps get that up. So this is just kind of call to action. Um, I'm not out here, you know, getting rich or anything like that. So. Just being honest and straightforward, everything helps at this point in the game with the podcast. So everyone's awesome. Thank you. So let's get into it. Brian Dozier signed today a minor league deal with the Padres. Makes sense for him because Jackson Profar really wasn't all that great a year ago. Uh, I thought he was kind of average at best. And with that position being uh, far from settled, Dozier's got a chance to break camp or take over that spot for the Padres going forward. Uh, It's a smart move for him. I think it is a good place for him to land. It is a good thing for Dozier. Let's talk about the Yankees losing uh, Louis Servino. So this stands out for a few reasons. One, you know, there are always concerns because he was slight that he was going to struggle with injuries in terms of kind of long-term and his role as a starter. Um, you know, when he's been good, he's been one of the best around. But unfortunately, he's just been, you know, hurt a lot uh, so far in his career with the Yankees. And it kind of gets to a bigger picture picture here for the Yankees because James Paxson is going to be out for a while as well. I don't think he's coming back till after May. Uh, yes, they added Garrett Cole in there. Uh, they have Mashiro Tanaka, who has been kind of strong you know in my mind I'm like he's someone who feels like he's always beat up but uh you know basically the last since 2015 he's gotten to well say 2016 he's pitched 27 or more starts every single year so reliable um more of a mid-rotation guy for them then you're looking at someone like Jordan Montgomery Jay Happ is actually going to be an important part of this team um I'm trying to think who their other depth guys are. You know, they also have the situation with uh, Domingo Herman and his suspension for domestic violence. So the Yankees, for as much as people want to come out and be like, you know, this is the team. Uh, you know, their other pit. You know, Jonathan. Of course, I would have this. Lo- I almost wanted to skip him, even though I knew he was one of the options. Lois Skaya. You know, does Debbie Garcia get a chance? Uh, Chad Betts is a non-roster invitee who has some experience as a starter. There's a few guys. Clark Schmidt is a former top prospect who's a non-roster invitee. I, I don't know if any of these guys will, will get a chance. But, yeah, I mean, for as much as you want to look at the Yankees and everyone kind of wants to anoint them, they're a very, very good team. Uh, but even when you look at their lineup, 
Gio Urshela probably just had a career year, and asking him to replicate that is unlikely. Mike Talkman is currently set up to to start for them. And again, someone who was a career year, the likelihood of him repeating that seems very low. Uh, we'll see how Anjuar does coming back. He was someone I think most people expected to have some regression with. Aaron Hicks is at Tommy John. So they have some guys, and James pa- uh, Paxson's injury, he had microscopic lumbar disectomy, which just doesn't sound good. So I don't think the Yankees are quite as foolproof as everyone thinks. And honestly, if I was making a thing right now, I'd probably pick the Rays to win that division. I'll just I'll put it right out there and be honest. I think the Rays have more depth, better talent, better pitching. Uh I mean, the Rays might be the best team in the American League. There's a chance of that. So just be honest there. At least that is my view. So just want to talk about the Yankees a little bit there. Um, and if their pitching completely upends on them, when Clevenger comes back, the Indians could have a crunch of pitchers. And that's where a team like the Yankees could be interesting. Now, the Indians aren't going to move Clevenger or Beaver, so let's move on from that. Unlikely to move Sabal either. But let's say, you know, uh, Plesak and Pletko are pitching well. Maybe this is an opportunity to, you know, package one of those guys with another piece. And maybe if you're the Indians and someone uh, like Leplo is not working out as a full-time outfielder, try to get a Clint Frazier out of the Yankees who's beyond buried and is going to start the year in AAA and is a, you know, interesting player. Or if Anjuar is another guy, you know, th- there might still be a situation, and that's what I want to talk about the Yankees in particular, because of their lack of pitching depth, if guys can come out and pitch well for the Indians, um, there's also always the chance, honestly, with the way the Monterey situation is with Cleveland, um, that you could do something like, you know, Plutko in hand for, you know, a, something like Andrew R. Frazier, something like that, where the Yankees are going to, now you are making them better, but if you're the Indians and Brad Hand is your third best reliever at that point, um, at the cost of the player it may not be as effective, especially if they were to somehow roll that into uh, acquiring another piece, like using that extra flexibility to add someone who could help them. All of this is just conjecture and project projection, but uh, just things to keep in mind. Uh, at the end of the day, the Yankees do not have a good minor leagues. They don't have much to trade from outside of those guys like Andrew like Frazier, who were top prospects and have had some success in the majors. So it's going to take something like that. But again, we'll have to see. Like if Urshila turns back into who we think he is, uh, he's not really a league average starter at that point. And then what do the Yankees do? You know, if Mike Talkman turns into the guy who was let go by Colorado, you know, what's that all of a sudden you need Frazier? So we'll have to see. Uh, you know, Luke Voigt very much came back to earth last year. Uh, for them as well. it's They're an interesting team because, yes, they have some excellent players, some absolute top-shelf talent, but they're not super deep just because of what they've done the past few years and the moves they've made, the players they have traded. Um, yeah, and then when you look at them, the team themselves, I mean, they counted on Cameron Mabin for a lot last year. Like, that was an important part of the Yankees, and he's not there. Um at some point, age, I think, will affect Brett Gardner. He's going to turn 37 at some point during this year. Uh, he was one of the their better, more consistent players at points a year ago just because he could be counted on. Um, you know, the big guys in terms of Torres, Judge, uh, Sanchez, and Stanton, 
we know what they'll do. It's kind of the other players. They had a lot of guys a year ago that had career years between, you know, LeMayhew, Urshela. The year before that, I, I felt like Anjouar. Well, like I said, it's it's going to be interesting to see. This is a team that had a lot of guys who might have had their career year, and we'll see what happens the next year. Uh, they lack that starting pitching depth. The pen should be amazing. Like That's the one area where they probably have most teams beat. Um we got Odovino, Britton, Chapman, K-Line, Green, Ben Heller is someone I really liked with the Indians. Jonathan Holder is someone I, I've always thought could be better than he is. It's they're a team that's their pen is strong. If you're gonna put a knock there, it's you know, all their back end guys are lefties, so maybe they wouldn't want hand, or maybe they'd want him as a mid rotation lefty. But uh yeah, it's I, I still think there could be a world with the Indians. And the Yankees could make a trade further in the season to to help each other out. Uh, it's always dangerous because then you can face those guys. But it's just something to consider as we move forward. I'm always going to be looking at ways, much like a football team, to work the edges, work the sides, try to get a little bit better in ways that make sense. Enough about other teams. Let's talk about the Indians. Carlos Carrasco is day-to-day with a hip flexor strain. <sighs> yeah, right? I mean... Uh, we kind of went doom and gloom, but uh, it's great to see it's something small. He'll obviously get a chance to rest. Now, we he's one of those few guys where I think spring training matters. Um, after having missed so much of last year and been in various roles, they are counting on him to be an important part of this team. And you do worry. It's like, how much does he have left? He is 33. We did see the decline with Kluber. There's reasons why they, they moved on with Kluber. So we'll have to see with Carrasco. I know... Obviously, last year was just kind of a lost year because of his cancer diagnosis, but there were some current concerns even coming into the year in terms of Carrasco and what he had left, and that was going into 2019, so we'll see. Uh, obviously, great news. Uh, having Carrasco back in any form is going to be something good for the Indians, and I am curious to see just how they play all of this out because of the fact, you know, we talked about earlier in the show that they do have that pitching depth. Uh, unlike a year ago, basically rolled into last season thinking we can do nothing and still make it to the playoffs and the playoffs are a crapshoot anyway so the only thing that matters is making it there um the weakest indians team that made the playoffs was the one that went the farthest if you want any more illustrations about unless you're the astros and you're cheating uh it's a crapshoot for everyone else so once you get in anyone can go so the indians kind of rolled the dice they tried some guys out a year ago gave them a chance to prove themselves sadly Almost nobody did, um, so no one stepped up. And then the thought process is either you find a diamond in the rough or you find someone who can be a trade asset and you know, you've know you gained some value by using those time that time uh, with other players. Now, the pitching staff that kind of happened with, guys like Plesak, Pletko, and Saval, I think all raised their trade value. Um, performances were a bit up and down across the board throughout the time, but Compared to where they were at the start of the year, there's no doubt every single one of those guys carries more value this now than they did a year ago this time. And with the pitching rotation, I bring this up because while they know that they can't take that kind of slow play approach this year, I think with the rotation, that might be the advantage that they're looking at as opposed to signing an Andrew Kashmir, who's probably the top starter left, or an Aaron Sanchez. Um, someone of that ilk or level trying to go out and making that trade for Ross Stripling uh, who could be gotten maybe relatively cheaply from the Dodgers they're going to roll out with the guys they know they're going to give them an opportunity and if all of 
any of those guys comes out and pitches well for the first you know two to three months of the year that's going to just help their value and maybe that does become another uh player that they can look to move or uh change their role find some additional value you know we talked about the yankees they lack pitching um a lot of these top contending teams could use some more depth in their rotations the astros are kind of an obvious one as well uh in terms of uh lacking pitching depth depth los angeles angels who went out and made some big additions are another team like that uh just you know looking at the american league I don't know how good Boston will be, but their pitching has some issues. The White Sox could use pitching depth. In the National League, uh, it feels like outside of the Dodgers and Arizona, most of those teams could use some additional pitching here and there. So it's going to be interesting to see. If you can have someone come out and perform well, and then that gives two years of data, there's a chance that midseason you could look to move on, especially because you know we, we kind of know what the rotation's likely going to look like. I think we're all expecting it to go... Bieber, Carrasco, Saval, Plutko, Plesak, uh, with guys like Rodriguez, Moss, McKenzie, Henkis, Allen, kind of all in that next group fighting for a chance to uh, to come up when there's injuries or needs for depth. Uh, those are kind of the, the usual suspects, as it were, when we project things out. I do find it interesting that right now on roster resources, they project Logan Allen as the fifth, and Plutko is a long guy in a pen. That's always possible. But we know Tito. We know his preference for vets. Um, I very much think that Allen ends up being in AAA to start the year, uh, especially because Plutko has no options left, so he's going to make the team no matter what. But, like I said, this is the opportunity with this staff. Until Clevenger's ready, they're going to try to elevate profiles because uh, everyone knows that Andrew Kashner is. If the Indians sign a Kashner, the upside to him would be that you could move him between roles. That when everyone's healthy, he could always move to a pen role. He was actually pretty good a year ago. Up and down, inconsistent for his career, though. Uh, with the rest of these guys, you know, if you could somehow turn Plutko into a, a tradable asset, um, jump at it. I am all for that. Again, because he's out of options, and he's, to me, he's kind of the definition of a fringe arm. He's a nice guy to have, but when you have as much pitching depth, depth as the Indians have, uh, he's one of those guys that I would definitely be willing to move on from to get help in some of these other areas. So let's really quickly talk about Francisco Lindor and the Padres, because I have a lot of angry Padres Padres fans out there. Sorry, that got very loud on there. Uh, in the Twitterverse, as I've just pointed out to them, that the Indians don't have to move Lindor. Um, <laughs> I love the comebacks. The, well, look what little the... The Orioles got from Machado. The Indians better move Lindor now. And I'm like, they move him next year. They're going to be able to, you know, get more than a rental price. Plus the Orioles front office at the time was pretty much incompetent. And that's what got them fired is they couldn't seem to do anything well. And it was just kind of a, a nonstop disaster show in terms of uh, player development and acquisition. So that was one of them. Uh, the other one being... Oh, the Indians just should rebuild. If you can't keep him, they're, they're going to be in a rebuild. I'm like, the Indians' approach isn't rebuilding. It's they're trying to do this never-ending, you know, 85-win team. Basically, they're going to try to always be in the hunt with, again, that whole idea that anything can happen in the postseason. It's more important to make it than to, uh, than to win, you know, 100 games. doesn't matter. It's important to get in and have the opportunity then that's more important than than having a 
the most dominant lineup possible, which again, I was told is wrong. <laughs> and then my third favorite from uh, Padres fans was that the Indians should, they definitely want Taylor Trammell, to which I reply, um, the Indians essentially had him and traded him. It, you know, when you look at how a three-team deal breaks down, the Indians could have just traded Bauer for Puig, Trammell, and Scott Moss. But they essentially flipped Trammell to the Padres for Fran Mo Reyes, uh, Logan Allen, whose stock was down at the time, and Victor Nova, who was a rookie ball prospect, which means not a ton of value. So it was essentially Trammell for Fran Mo Reyes and some stuff. If the Indians really loved Taylor Trammell, they wouldn't have done that deal. Like, if he is the guy, if you view him as a potential um, star in center field going forward, he's already in double A, uh, you're not going to trade him. Because they could have made that Bauer deal. I'm like, we got Puig, we made ourselves better for now, and we got an interesting piece to help us down the line. That would have been an easy sell and something that would even logically make some sense. But the fact that that is not what they did means that Taylor Trammell isn't that interesting. And essentially what it comes down to is while stuff keeps coming up with the Padres and Indians, mostly through media lines or fans, it doesn't make any sense for the Indians. And I'll just go on record right now. Lindor is going to be with the Indians on opening day. I do not see a way that he is moved unless it is just an overwhelming offer that they would have to be foolish to turn down. I don't think they want to deal with the negative publicity on the ownership side of things. I don't think they want to deal with that backlash. They've already had enough. Um... Moving him midseason is just easier to tolerate. And the Betts deal kind of showed us that you can still get value for a guy if it's a full season rental entering their final season. And again and again, that's what I come up with when people send offers about Lindor. You know, the, I saw a lot of like Taylor Trammell, George Arias, Luis Campesino. And I'm like, okay. So the Indians move Lindor to get no one who helps now. Um, a pair of guys in high A and only two of them top 100 prospects. And only one of them, you know, considered more of a, a top 50. It, it doesn't make sense. And when you get down to it, the Betts deal set a standard. Betts is a better offensive player, but Lindor plays a more valuable position. And his defensive value, to me, makes those two players kind of equal um, overall in terms of value. Now for Betts, Boston got a proven outfielder who's a two to three war guy who can play up the middle and is proven like Trammell's best outcome might be what Verdugo is now so you're you're gambling there the other pieces in that deal with the rework I've already expressed how much of a Connor Wong fan I am but yes he's not a top 100 guy he's a guy who was kind of borderline top 10 for the Dodgers in a lot of places but I think he's a really nice upside piece and uh, Jeter Downs who is an up the middle shortstop who's already in, you know, the higher levels of the minors, is a lock to stay at shortstop and is considered kind of a top 60-ish prospect. Like, I'd rather have Downs and Capacino, even though catchers are harder to find because one's in the upper levels and one's in the lower. So, plus, remember, the Dodgers also gave about, what, $48 million in cash savings, which is nothing to sneeze at. That is a lot of money. That's more than... We have seen that significantly more. That's like buying uh, what we've seen when they sell comp picks. You know, comp picks are typically around like $4 million in savings. So what the Dodgers took on is the equivalent of like 12 first rounders in comp picks. Now that value has changed and evolved over the years. And even if you want to view the Indians trade a year ago where they traded their comp B pick to the Mariners and got 
you know, a lot of parts and pieces in there. But one of the big parts was essentially that they got five million in cash back. So if you view a round two one as five mil, so just double it for that round one one at 10 mil, that's still the equivalent of nearly five first round picks. Like that is a lot of value in taking on that salary uh, because David Price isn't good. Like David Price, even if the the Boston Red Sox picked up half that salary, which we know they did, he's not, no one wants him at that. Like that was still the Dodgers getting additional value um, or giving additional value to the Red Sox was, was taking on that contract for Price because Price, as we've talked about, could be very well washed up. Like statistically, he could be very near the end of the line, if not already there. So any deal that people float me is always less than that. And the Indians aren't going to trade two years of Lindor for less than the Dodgers got for Betts. And I don't care that they got a reliever for Kluber. They valued that reliever a ton. They put a high value on him. We've seen some of the rankings in terms of stuff. It's pretty clear that in terms of relief ceiling, that this is one of the the best guys out there. The Indians saw something with that. And when you compare it to some of the other values of players they were looking at in other Kluber deals, this is a guy for them. This was a guy they wanted. And the fact that they got a reliever for Kluber doesn't change the Lindor situation on any level. So Lindor isn't going anywhere. Um, the Indians aren't going to move Lindor unless it's a premium pick in the center, or, you know, a premium player, I should say, and then at least three to four other pieces. They got five pieces for Bauer, and they're probably going to be looking at something similar it, to that for Lindor. And they got five pieces two that helped them now, two that were in the upper minors for pitching, and one lotto ticket. Uh, So that is very likely the same type of deal they're looking at, which is two guys to help now, two who are in the upper minors, and one low-level lottery ticket, which makes the uh, the Padres a bad fit because they don't have that. A lot of their guys are kind of more in the lower levels. And that is going to make any diff- trade difficult unless it's another three-teamer. Like, you know, to, to just spitball real close here at the end. The best deal I could think of if the Indians were really going to move on from Lindor and try to get better would be, you know, Lindor to the Padres, a uh, mishmash of prospects to the Royals, and then Solar and Merrifield to the Indians. Uh, no matter how you judge those guys, they're big offensive players. Um, the Indians would have three DHs, which would be interesting to see. Again, at that point, if uh, Santana hasn't shown much, he's very easy to let go, and Solar becomes a full-time DH. But the reason a deal like that makes sense is it's multiple years of control. It's upgrading two places in your team, and again, multiple years of control. Who shifts to shortstop? Uh, you know, that circuit's interesting. Or maybe, uh, well, I mean, you have to have someone shift to shortstop. It's I don't think you necessarily want to mess around with Jose Ramirez. Cesar Hernandez does have some experience there. So maybe you can do a stopgap thing. It would be something to, to figure out. Uh, Merrifield could, of course, go to second. He could go a lot of places. But it's it's basically a deal like that. And that's probably more than the Indians honestly could get for Lindor to get those two players. You're talking about like an MVP candidate and one of the better contracts in baseball. But my final point here is it's going to take a deal like that the Indians to even consider moving on at this point. We'll revisit in July. We'll see where where you know where they stand, how the team's looking, how Lindor's playing, all of those little bits and pieces. Um, but at this point in time, Lindor is going to be a Cleveland Indian come opening day. I don't know if I can say the same for guys like Chris Bryant and Nolan Arenado, 
those also aren't the ideal fits for a team like the Padres. Honestly, the Padres should be going out there and trying to trade for Whit Merrifield themselves rather than running out Profar and uh, Brian Dozier. That is what they should be doing. Uh, you already have Fernando Tatis. I wouldn't want to mess around with him. I wouldn't want to be uh, moving someone all around at a young age. I just would be happy with the fact that we could have a potential star MVP of our own with uh, lots of years of team control to go. Well, thank you for listening. That was our Monday show. We'll continue to monitor the news this week. We will do some draft talk uh, during the week as well. And uh, we're going to return to the all-time Indians team as we continue to go through and uh, look at the Indians' history. We might do some historical drafts, things like that. Just some ways to shake it up as we return to the five-day-a-week model. Thank you again for your comments, your reviews, your, uh, you know, the downloads, the listens, all of it's fantastic. Pretty soon we'll get back to having a listener mail section on the show weekly just to kind of answer all of those questions that do come in. This has been Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports, and as always, go Tribe.